ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. If you've ever looked at all your bills and tried to work out which ones you could cut back on, the phone and internet might make you pull your hair out because they're pretty crucial, but they can really add up. The Australian Communications and Media Authority, ACMA, has just introduced new regulations to protect customers experiencing financial hardship. The industry is reviewing its own voluntary code too around consumer protections. What do you think should change in this area to better protect people using their phones and their internet? We'll hear in a moment from Gareth Downing, who's from the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, ACAN, about how well they think those consumer protections are working now. But first joining us is John Stanton, the CEO of the Communications Alliance, which represents telecommunications companies in Australia. John, welcome. Uh, Good morning. Now, ACMA's just broadened the definition of financial hardship and now telcos will be required to promote clearly accessible written financial hardship policies and to proactively identify customers who are struggling and try harder to keep them connected. That all sounds pretty reasonable. What's the Communications Alliance response to those new rules? Well, essentially, I think that there's agreement at uh, the government level and the regulator level among consumers and, and among business that if somebody is struggling uh, financially as a result of their telecommunications bill, then definitely we should be trying to uh, help you know, fi- fix that situation, ameliorate it. Uh, so uh, at a principal level, um, we're, we're fine with it. Uh, and, and indeed, you know, telcos have been working very hard with consumers you know, for decades now to, to try to get them you know, through difficult situations. So, yeah, conceptually, all good. Uh, the devil's in the detail, of course. As always, yes. ACMA's financial hardship report from May last year found that there were 2.4 million Australian adults experiencing financial difficulty or having concerns relating to their bills. But industry data shows that uh, as of 30 June 2022, only about 4,400 residential customers had financial hardship arrangements in place with their telco. Why is there that massive gap, John? Well, there's two points to make there. Uh, firstly, um, telecommunications bills are not among the top five causes of financial hardship in Australia, uh, as identified by the government. You know, those causes are mortgage payments, which we all know have gone up, rental payments, energy payments, insurance payments, and even medical payments. Uh, telco prices haven't gone up in real terms at all. Uh, and, you know, if if you are on a, you know, like my kids, for example, on a $30 a month plan with unlimited calls and, and 55 gigs of data, that's not what's causing your financial hardship. No, but it's part uh, of a landscape, isn't it? And if you've got 2.4 million people saying, I'm having trouble paying my phone or internet bill, why are only 4,500 of them ish getting help from the telcos? Nice segue. The second point uh, that I wanted to make was there are uh, a massive amount of, uh, of arrangements in place between providers and customers that aren't formal financial hardship arrangements, um, but do help people get through. You know, uh, and, and things like uh, you know, delaying uh, bills, cutting bills, uh, reducing uh, the, the cost of plans, yeah, there are there are tens and tens of thousands of people who are benefiting from interaction with their telco provider, um, but but it's not a 
it's not a formal financial hardship arrangement, which most people actually, a lot of customers, they don't want to be on one of those because they, they don't want to say, well, yeah, I'm actually in that situation. What they want is a bit of help. They're getting it from their telcos, uh, but it doesn't show up in the government figures. So there's, there's a mismatch of data and reality there. It's interesting to have invisible financial uh, hardship protections. We're speaking with John Stanton, the CEO of the Communications Alliance, representing telecommunications companies in Australia. With us too is Gareth Downing from the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, ACAN, uh, who've been lobbying hard for some time to change the way the industry is regulated and the way the consumer protections work within it. Gareth, what do you make of the new protections that ACMAS released? They, they replace and significantly enhance the financial hardship measures that were set out in the industry-developed voluntary code, the Telecommunications Consumer Protection Code, do they go far enough in your view? I think that they're an important step in the right direction. From our perspective, you know, it is a material strengthening in the protections that consumers receive. And I think going back to what John was saying earlier, it, there are a couple of items in there that are very critical from our perspective. The first of all is the requirements to promote information, share information about the availability of financial hardship assistance. Most people don't know what financial hardship is. It's a technical term. It doesn't mean anything to them. But, you know, when you have information available about you can get assistance if you're facing payment difficulties, um, that is that is actually useful. Um, in terms of the broader protections in, in the standard, you know, we obviously welcome um, the, the requirements to have proactive engagement with consumers because, again, we're finding that, you know, consumers find it quite hard to, to get into that formal channel of financial hardship assistance because it's not transparent um, and, you know, it's not something you necessarily raise as a matter of course with your provider. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Why is there that new proactivity requirement? Isn't it enough that consumers should be able to go to the telco and say, I need help, rather than the telco having to identify people who are struggling? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think what we've found in other essential services sectors like water and energy is that when you have a process to identify those consumers who are, are starting to face difficulty, it's usually better to address that sooner rather than later. And so rather than having a situation in which um, you know, you're requiring or you're waiting for a consumer to raise, I'm, I'm at the absolute end of my wits and I need assistance. You say this person has faced difficulty because they've got delayed payments, you know, their bills are too high, they're starting to develop arrears, and you try to engage early to have that very constructive, construct, you know, constructive conversation about what can be pursued and what options you have to avoid getting into, you know, a much more difficult financial position. So, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just wondering, I know that the consumer, the coalition of consumer groups that you're one of has, has been lobbying uh, to get more protection against mis-selling. What kinds of issues have you been seeing around that? So with respect to mis-selling, you know, what we see is consumers going into stores or consumers going online. Usually this is in the context of a store. Um, so you go into a store, you say, I'd like to, to get a phone plan. Um, and then consumers are offered, you know, services and, and contracts that are really not suitable for their needs and don't reflect their budget. Um, so what we've observed in the past, because telecommunications debt is in effect unregulated credit, um, it's not credit within the terms of the credit code, what then happens is, um, you know, you go in, you ask for a phone, um, and, and we've seen cases of consumers walking out with, you know, multiple phones, multiple iPads, um, you know, watches, smart watches for the kids, you know, acquiring huge amounts of, of goods often that they don't need 
um, and facing really significant bills. And that's the beginning of that process of moving into financial hardship because you start out and you have devices you don't need, debt you don't need. Um, there's very weak or, or you know ineffectual credit assessment processes. And that then leads to you facing that financial hardship down the track. So um, what we're really arguing for is direct regulation of, of, of credit assessment processes and, and sales practices to, to clamp down on that kind of behaviour. John Stanton, the, the Telecommunications Consumer Protections Code, the, the voluntary code the industry uses now, is being reviewed, but it's still being criticised, the draft, as not having enough protections uh, to, against mis-selling to vulnerable customers. Why doesn't it have those protections? Well, if, if I could firstly correct you on one thing, it's not a voluntary code. It is, it is a registered code, registered by the, uh, the, 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 the industry regulator, the ACMA, and it's enforceable. It's not voluntary. Uh, and so all players in, in the industry have to abide by what's in that code or, or face legal action from the regulator. Um, and, uh, you know, yes, we are in the process of revising the code, um, which is um, something that happens every few years. We've got a statement of expectations, if you like, from the regulator as to the areas that, are, you know, they think need to be strengthened. Uh, we've put a package to them. Uh, we've got to go back to May with a, with a final version. Uh, and there is a, there's a whole raft of, uh, of strength and protections in the, the draft revised code that we're putting to the regulator. So does it, uh, does it prevent those kinds comments? of practices that uh, Gareth so was talking about, John? I mean, I want to talk about those specific practices that Gareth was talking about, where customers are being upsold things they don't need. Does the new draft protect against that? Yeah, it, it, it has a specific section about selling practices. Uh, uh, and, you know, and unless... The regulator believes that what we've put in that code is sufficient protection. Uh, they won't. They won't register it. You know, they they will have the option to make a determination or to uh, to make a standard. So um, yeah, it's it's not a free for all. You know, unless we satisfy the regulator that all the protections are adequate, they won't register the code and they'll replace it with direct regulation. One other thing that's been raised by consumer groups, John, is that there's a, a, they say there's not enough protection for customers experiencing family and domestic violence from having their services cut off. So obviously that's a very vulnerable position to be in. And some protections have been added to the new ACMA financial hardship provisions. Shouldn't there be more in the Telecommunications Consumer Protections Code as well, just to make sure that those people in very vulnerable situations are not at risk of being cut off when they, that might be a life-saving issue? I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm, I'm a bit passionate about this issue. We started working four years ago uh, on a domestic and family violence guideline for telco consumers uh, to, to make sure that those people at risk in, in those situations couldn't you know, be um, placed in jeopardy via their telecommunication services. Uh, we've, we've released the second version of the, the, the guideline uh, and we are putting into the code, into the TCP code, specific elements of the domestic and family violence guideline and making them enforceable uh, yeah, and, and, and getting the, the regulator to register them. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a heartland issue and it will be part of the legally 
you know, enforceable requirements of the TCP code. Gareth Downing, why do you say we need stronger protections around things like uh, family and domestic violence, uh, remote and Indigenous customers, uh, not having enough direct debits? Why do you say uh, direct debit options? Why do you say all those are needed if, if some of those are already in the industry code, the TCP? Yeah, if I can just pick up on something that John said, um, and I think this is important, and it's a point that goes backwards and forwards quite a lot, but the Telecommunications Act expressly states that industry codes are voluntary. It's it's in the legislation. What John is saying about it being mandatory it's is a is a perspective that I think is held by many in industry, and I think I think it's good from a compliance standpoint that a lot of people in industry think, you know, we should comply with this code. But the matter of the fact is there are quite a few providers in the industry who see that it's a voluntary code, are aware that they don't have to comply with it up until they receive a direction from the ACMA to do so. And that then creates a situation where there are multiple stops, you know, multiple steps for the regulator to take enforcement action. And what that's led to is a situation in which you know, critical, essential consumer protections are not being enforced in a timely way or the, the contents of the code itself are drafted in such a fashion as it does not drive, you know, good outcomes from a community perspective. So I think going back to that point around, you know, what is our fundamental ob- objection in this area and wh- why are we trying to seek to advance these points? Um, it's because we receive, you know, frequent complaints, not just through our members, but but directly to ACAN around, you know, domestic and family violence. We've received case studies about consumers being disconnected when they're in shelters. Um, we've received case studies about consumers um, being upsold or having debts allocated to their to their personal accounts by by you know economically abusive partners and so on, and the truth of the matter is we need a modern, fit for purpose regulatory framework and consumer protection framework that reflects the needs of contemporary society. And from our perspective, it's very critical that we advance this um, because you know notwithstanding whether we want to quibble about technical legal definitions, I think most Australians see telecommunications as an essential service today. Um, And the regulatory framework really reflects, you know, a kind of laissez-faire growth era um, from from the 1990s. And the the regulatory framework is really not up to date anymore. We're speaking with Gareth Downing from the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, ACAN, and John Stanton, the CEO of the Communications Alliance, which represents telecommunications companies in Australia. And taking your texts on this too, 0418 Several people picking up on a point John mentioned earlier. Telco plans are going up. Basic Optus phone plan by over 12% following all their stuff up, says one text. Data brief and outage. Greg says, what annoyed me is to get reasonable connectivity, especially during tourist season. We've had to go to fibre to the premises. Great, another acronym, he says. Our plan is almost double now the monthly cost. To be clear, he says, we can currently afford this, but I do wonder how others less well-off can afford internet plus phone. Other people, Paul says, Woolworths and Amazim's telcos have recently increased their monthly mobile plan costs on the basis of more data allowance on the new plans. We currently don't use our lesser data allowance on our current plans. There's no way to stay on the cheaper plan. And another says, if you don't seek the newest phone and buy it outright and then get a yearly plan, you can get very cheap access to internet and phone. People need to live within their means rather than seek the flashiest new thing. Gareth, Akans argued there needs to be more direct regulation of the industry, but why? I mean, the industry says complaints are down 16.5% uh, in 2022-23. Doesn't that indicate that there are fewer problems now? 
So I think um, that's a really fair question. What I would say is, um, and John will argue with me about this, and he and I have had this conversation before, but um, you know, when we look at the trajectory of complaints in the telecommunications sector, it, it actually started to have a downward trend around the time that we introduced direct regulation of complaint handling processes. Now, there was a little bit of a period before that where we saw a, a downward movement. Um, I, I think in part that was because um, industry had realised that they were, were soon to face regulation and were beginning the process of translating their processes to align with what they expected that regulation to be. Um, but I think from our perspective, regulation is important because this is an essential service. If you are cut off, you have your service restricted, um, you know, you face the, the, the inability to, to access this service due to affordability, um, you know, it's very difficult to access the essential services. You know, you can't, ac you can't access government services. You can't ask access healthcare. You can't access employment opportunities and so on. So it's really important from our perspective that we look at this in the context of what um, telecommunications provides consumers, which is access to you know, a broad range of essential services. And it's very, very hard from our perspective to see why it's appropriate to have regulatory settings that don't reflect um, you know, the fact that it is essential. And if you're disconnected, um, we can't go about our day. I, th I think the recent outage showed that, you know, people were unable to work, they were unable to, um, you know, run their business, they couldn't call their kids, um, and so on. So I think, you know, it's really well established. These services are essential and they're critical. Um, so we need to have a regulatory framework that ensures that, you know, people can access, to the extent that is feasible, um, those services at an affordable rate. That affordability thing is really interesting. Our text messages are seesawing backwards and forwards on that. Richard says, what planet is your guest on? Even prepaid, a $30 plan no longer exists. And another says, Dorothy says, I've been using 12-month prepaid for $170 for years on the full Australian network. If you're not streaming, it has plenty of data and even calls overseas to the country countries I need. The price looks like in April for my 12-month uh rental might be a bit more expensive, but it sounds like there are there are options out there. John Stanton, research commissioned by ACAN last year, though, found that one in five households were struggling to pay their telco bills. And we talked before about that landscape of rising prices across the board. Could well be worse now, I guess. What's your advice to consumers who are having problems getting an affordable deal for phone and internet? Uh, well, I was hoping I'd get a chance to say something. Um, um, I feel like it's uh, been a pretty fair run, John. I feel like we've been pretty balanced. <laughs> but have a, have a minute. We've got a minute or so for you. Well, I, I mean, uh, Gareth disputes that the uh, the code is enforceable. He's only got to look, and he knows this is the case, at the number of enforcement actions and fines that have been levied by the regulator uh, over the past two years to know that it is an enforceable code. Uh, he also knows that uh, we have proposed to government uh, a, uh, a set of, uh, of amendments to the Telecommunications Act that would make it faster to, to be able to enforce the, the requirements of the code. And we would love it if ACAN would support us in that, but they haven't. Uh, in terms of uh, $30 plans, yeah, I've got... I've got three kids, <laughs> all on $30 plans, uh, and they get unlimited calls and 55 gigs a month, um, uh, and uh, there's no such thing as, as bill shock anymore. Uh, you know, there's, there's no long-term commitment. Uh, I'm only committed for 30 days, uh, and it's a perfectly great service for $30 a month. So 
uh, I don't know who your correspondent is that says $30 plans don't exist because I've got three of them. And, John, I mean, if we're looking at uh, affordability across the board, what can we expect to see in coming months and years? Well, uh, historically, uh, the price of telecommunication services over the last 20 years uh, has has dropped both in actual and in, and in real terms. Uh, in, in the last five years, it's dropped in real terms. Uh, that is to say, risen less than inflation, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, we, we used to have a situation... You remember the days when people talked about bill shock? Where, you know, you know, data charges would, you know, could potentially um, uh, rack up and, uh, and give them a surprise bill? That doesn't happen anymore. Nobody talks about bill shock anymore because it doesn't exist. Uh, people are not on long-term plans. Uh, if, it, it is true that if, if, if people decide to, to go for a flashy phone and to build that into their plan, that's going to cost money. Yeah, but that's not a telco that's, that, that's deciding that, you know, a new phone uh, costs $2,000. That's, that's the, the manufacturer. Um, you know, I certainly don't have a $2,000 phone. I don't need one. So I, I think people need to be a little bit savvy uh, about, you know, what they really need from telecommunications. Uh, and what they need in terms of equipment. Um, but uh, compared to some of the other rising costs in society, uh, Telco is, uh, is a pretty good deal. Thanks very much to both of you for speaking with us on Life Matters today. Thank you. Thank you. John Stanton's the CEO of the Communications Alliance, representing telecommunications companies in Australia. The review of the industry's code, the Telecommunications Consumer Protections Code, is due to end in June. And Gareth Downing's the deputy CEO of the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, ACAN. And we'll pop some links up on the Life Matters webpage to some explainers that ACAN puts out about how to get the best deal and how to be savvy when you are shopping around for different plans for your telecoms. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.